Welcome to the part two of the conversation with coach Ed Blankmeyer. Right, those temporary failures are part of the recipe for long-term success. Like I was teaching self-contained math to seventh graders. So you're trying to convey to seventh graders who haven't had a lot of success in math and who are, uh, some of them were like phobic, like they don't, they didn't, you know, they didn't want to try for their fear of failure. And I, I found myself coaching in these classes, like, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid to get it wrong. Don't be afraid to mess up. Don't be afraid to make a mistake or any of that. I guess it's, it's, you know, it's part of it. So I would, I would sell that. And then you would see in different times of the year where the kid, you could just see the light bulb where the kid like his or her eyes would light up and you just saw the pencil went to paper and they got it. And then, you know, we would try to make a big deal out of that. But I found that that was one of the best things that I did as a teacher is encouraging students to be okay to make these temporary mistakes and to really get after that, that point and, and let them know it's okay, that nothing bad's going to happen. And I, and I learned a lot from that. And I try to do the same thing with players. Like, go, you know, go ahead and make your mistakes as long as they're, I call them good mistakes where your, your effort is there, your, your competitive is there, they're honest mistakes that, and things that you can learn from. So, you know, situationally that you'll be better next time. But I even think that it's, it's, uh, you have to sell to your players and you had like, everyone is so guarded now. Like you have to sell that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you take it from a parent's perspective. And, you know, I sat there and watched my daughters play and my son play. It, it, it's tough to watch your kid fail. It's tough. It's tough on, on the, actually it's tougher on the parent than it is the kid sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's a lot for the, with the first parent's mistake they make is, you know, not allowing him to fail making excuses for him, but, you know, but the light bulb moment, as you talked about is, okay, the young man failed, the young lady failed. It's what you do afterward in your discussion with your child to talk about it, discuss it and putting it in a positive light. That's what it is. You know, it's not, you know, the negative end where, you know, you, you know, you're going after a ball game and the guy, uh, the kid struck out and you, you as a dad, you go, why do you strike? You know, you you know, you know, no, you don't want to go there. Okay. You want to keep it in the positive and make them understand that failure is part of the growth process. Okay. Hey, you're going to get it next time. You gave your very best. That's all I care about. And so it's as a parent. Okay. It's how you discuss what occurred with your child and putting it in a positive vein. Okay. For growth purposes, making them understand you did your very best and that all that that's that's all that's gonna matter and you're gonna fail a lot more so don't worry about it these things instead of going to negative end and trying to you know chop the kid's head off so yeah i was uh doing a youth clinic last night and we had uh, a question and answer before the clinic started and the topic came up about parents what are we doing after games and make sure we're not having that whole post-game press conference with our child in, in you know, in the car. So yeah. I asked the, I asked the question with parent and player present. And it was pretty funny. Like the players were pointing right at the parents like, does anybody do this? And they, you know, they, yeah. they, call, they called them right out. But we had a, you know, we had a good discussion about that. And also like the, you know, kinds of effects that it has on kids, you it's, know, it's, after that. It's, it's crucial. It's, you know, it, and again, going back to my 24 hour rule, you know, sometimes after a hockey match or baseball game, the best thing to do is go out and get a, go out and get some ice cream and don't even discuss it. 
let it go. You're a kid. Hey, don't worry about it. Let's go. Let's go. Get some ice cream. Okay. And then pick it, pick the right time to discuss something. But again, make them understand that you love them. You know, a game is a game. Okay. It's not the end of the world. Okay. You did your very best. And if they want to, you know, they ask you some pertinent questions. I think you have to also be honest. Yeah. yeah. And it's also too, you know, and there's, there's no bad intentions, but when I, when I have opportunities to speak with parents, I try to ask them to be mindful. So when we grew up, it was always the same. Like you'd come back to the house and if say uh, your mom and your grandmother are in the kitchen or something to say, Hey, you know, how'd the game go? You know, did you win? Or if it, you know, it's hockey, did, you know, soccer, did you score? No, I didn't score today. Okay, uh, you doing not? And I'd say, okay, you know, you'll do better next time. So mm, it's yeah. like we're almost brainwashing our our children that if you don't score and you don't win, that you didn't have a good game. Where you you know, and and you know, many folks know that it, it sports is about a lot of things and about impacting games positively in in number of ways. And you can pick your sport, but it's almost like, hey, you know, did you give good effort out there today? Yes, gave good effort. Did you have a good time? Yes, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Fantastic. You know, look forward to the next one. But it, like I said, there's no bad intentions in that. But that's when you see kids in certain sports, and you're like, all that kid cares about is scoring. That kid won't pass the ball. They won't pass the puck. The kid's swinging for home runs every time, you know? And like, but I almost feel like there's like this brainwashing going on of kids that they just focus on these things because these are the things that kind of tend to get more attention. Yeah, it's all about performance. How do you perform? And obviously, it's what I call it. It's it's being the hero, if you will. I got I was three for three, or uh, I scored two goals, or that's 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 the thing. Instead of playing the game, being with your friends at the youth level in particular, I mean, you're you're not going to get a scholarship at the youth level, okay? At that time, it's when you it's enjoying the craft, seeing how good you are at a particular sport. Okay, and determining if you want to continue. You play the game because you love to play the game. Or do you love the success of the game? What are you playing it for? Do you love the game or do you love the success? And the problem now is everybody loves the success of the game. And I think that's crucial when you talk to a parent. You know, you, what are you chasing here? You think Johnny's going to be, a, you know, a major leaguer here. I mean, just play the game and everything will take care of itself. If you play the game for the love of the game. Versus, versus the success of the game. So a couple of questions here. So for people who have kids in high school, and if you are scouting a, a player in high school, what are you looking for? You know, obviously the, the standard question is the, the physical ability of the, of, of the athlete, okay, uh, and, and, his, and his baseball skill sets. That's what I look at first. That gets you in the game for me, okay? So when I go out and watch a guy play, do I feel that person could play for me at that particular time at St. John's or Seton Hall, can they play for me based on what I see physically? Then I'm going to go under and, and start peeling the, the onion off and say, okay, how does he work? Can he take criticism? Is he a team player? Okay. So I'm going to start pulling the layers of the onion off to see if he's the right type of guy for me. So everybody, and when I, and I talk about recruiting now to any coach at any level, okay, Everybody wants the great player, but is is he the right player for you? And everybody, I think, can assess the physical skills they're looking for. But yet, you know, there's also projection of skill involved. But to me, it's the intangibles that are going to separate the player 
that's going to be a winning player for you. So you really have to do your homework uh, on the player to find out, does he have those characteristics you want as a player, along with those physical skills, okay, that you'll recruit him for your particular program. So if you were giving advice to a high school player who wants to play after high school, what would you tell him? Okay. Play the game the right way all the time because you never know who's watching. Because when I, what I used to do, okay, if we were in very interested in a particular player, obviously I had some of my coaches go out and watch him play, and I would go in to watch the kid unannounced. When you go to a showcase event, I'm sure you know these things, and I'm sure in your world of hockey and football, you know, when you do a showcase, everybody's all, oh, everybody's all excited and they're running around and they're doing whatever they have to do. Yes. Or no, whatever. I'll come walking into a game. Nobody will know I'm there and I'll, I'm going to be sitting on the side watching you. I'll be looking how you handle your teammates in the dugout. I'm going to watch you go on and off the field. I'm going to watch how you interact with your coaches and your, and your, and your players. Okay. I'm going to watch you play, you know, hit and, if you hit the ball, what are you going to do? Are you going to run? If you make it out, are you going to – I want to find out about you. So I'm just saying you play every game like somebody's watching, okay? Have and you uh, had the occasion to just try to go watch someone in practice to see what their habits were in practice? You know, I've, I've done the practice thing, but in, in practice based on rules, you have to go announced into a practice. And, you know, in the old days, did I go to practice? Yes. But you know as well as I do in this day and age of recruiting, high school baseball, you don't go a lot, A, because you're playing, and B, okay, because most of the activity is done in the summertime or in the fall before the actual season starts. But going to a practice, I think it's great because you can see how he interacts with the coaches, how he's coached in our sport. And I'm going to have to defer to you because you're – you guys practice more. When you talk about summer baseball and fall baseball, how much do they practice? They don't practice. They maybe they practice once a week if you're lucky, and it's basically nothing. It's not instructional. You know, when you play a legion, they, they conduct practices. Play to win. What's money? Everybody doesn't bunt anymore. The Buck Show wants to squeeze the other day. He's bringing it back. If you're successful and things are going good, that works. Yeah. I coached, I coached minor league baseball last year. I coached 118 games. I bunted three times. Three times. So you mentioned your time there with the Mets and uh, the Brooklyn Cyclones. You did it for a year. What was that experience like? Well, you know, actually, I did. I was there for two years. The first year I was there with COVID. COVID came in. And um, uh, I was supposed to run a complex and then manage Brooklyn, but COVID came in. So my assignment was, uh, if you remember, they had an offsite and a major league team. When it, when, uh, so I, I ran the, uh, the offsite in, in Brooklyn for the players that were kind of staged there if needed for the big club. And they, they were mostly older guys. We had five of our prospects in, but uh, we had a lot of what they call 3A, 4A players that if – Somebody got hurt, and the Mets needed somebody that would go up. That particular fall, I I, I managed the uh, instructional team with the prospects. Then last year, I last year I did manage, and um, I mean, I enjoyed it. I I had a lot of the best prospects the Mets had. Uh, I I enjoyed the time with them. Obviously, you don't have as much control 
being that you're just managed a club, you know, you're you have higher ups that are making decisions on based on player movement and those type of things. But uh, and then there's philosophical things that go on and how you play the game that's quite different than how I would control a game. But oh, listen, know. I'm a I'm a Met fan, so I have I'm going to ask. So I'm going to I'm just going to give you a couple guys' names and just give mm-hmm. me a quick thought. Francisco Alvarez going to be a, a big time major league player. The Mets will keep him. I had I had Alvy three quarters of the season last year. Tremendous offensive player. His defense was a little behind, but my reports are that he's improved his defense. Understanding maturity is was a big thing for him. He's a young kid, strong as a bull, passionate kid, hardworking kid. Uh, he's going to be a, a very good major league player. Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty. I was just saw Brett the other day. I was I was uh, in Somerset watching him play. Spent some time with him. Uh, improved on both sides of the ball. Having a great Double A season this year. Quality kid, hard worker, and I think he's going to be a quality major leaguer too. And the last one, Ronnie Mauricio. Ronnie Mauricio. Ronnie. Ronnie is. Ronnie is to me is the special talent of the group. The uh, he's the what I call the coin flip. I think this kid could be a superstar if he figures it all out. It's a lot of a lot of it has to do with maturity. A lot of it has to do with his body. But um, uh, can he still play shortstop at this time? I'd say yes. I think he's going to be a major league player. I, I think there's a high ceiling there. Can he get to it? It's up to Ronnie. If he's not playing shortstop because they have Lindor up there, where where yeah. he, he, uh, he can he can play he can play second. He can play third. I mean, defending. This year, it's been a throwing issue. He's, he's, most of his errors have been on throwing. He gets the balls, gets a little too flashy. Uh, the typical, he's, that's that's his personality. But um, he can play. He would be able to play third. He would, would be able to play second. The Met fan in me got, got to me I there. You, no, no, they're, 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 I had all three of those young men. <laughs> uh, I will have to say, um, you know, I think, I think the organization is doing a good job with these guys. I and it, uh, my relationship with all three of those guys have been great. They're, they're good. They're team-oriented. They want to win. They want to do well. They have all, all the intangible ingredients. Now it's a matter of their maturity and getting to that level of consistency that you have to have in the big, to get in the big leagues and stay in the big leagues. Whereas you know, I think um, Alvy's coming close. I think Brett's right behind. And I think Ronnie has to get more consistent on certain things. But uh, the skill sets in all three – that's major league skill sets. I can hear the passion uh, in you come out teaching these young guys. And right at the end of the day, they're just young guys, and and, and you're doing. Yeah, your- you know, you, you know, that's the thing. I when I went to the clubhouse on the last Tuesday, you know, it's like you know, we're hugging each other, and you know, it, you know, you, you're on a you're with these guys for six months. It's a family. It's a family, and uh, you know, you, there are ups and downs during the course of the uh, course of the season, but uh, you know. It's about the relationship you build with them, and that's that's the that's the difficulty between I think professional sports and college sports, um, because you know you have more time at the college level to really develop relationships more long term. In professional sports, it's more fleeting; they got to move to another level. They're moving here, they're moving there, moving there, they're moving to another club. Uh, you know, you get relationships, but you know, some, some are stronger than others. Some are quicker than others. But uh, again, uh, to gain that trust, it takes some time. So a couple little things as we 
you know, come to the last portion of the podcast here. So you coached your son, Ty, for a couple of years. What was that like? I think probably was the greatest experience of my life. Tough. And I was tough on him. Uh, Ty had opportunities to go other places on scholarship to play. I chose to play for me. I will have to be uh, at this time forthright and say I probably uh, was harder on him in regards to playing time. And I look at I, when I look at having a kid that that is a Division One athlete, I, I define him in one of three ways. You got a kid that's a no-brainer, that's a star player that could play for any team. You know, you got that kid. That's that's easy. The difficulty with that kid is you know playing up to everybody's expectations. That's the difficult, but as a parent standpoint, a kid's going to play. Then, the, then there's one on the bottom that everybody knows that he's a good kid and maybe can make the team, but he's not a threat to play. Okay, and then you got the one in the middle that's that that guy that's a good player that's got to compete. Ty was that guy, and at times I probably was too tough and not playing him where I should have played him. But had a good senior year for me. Played, broke his handmate. And um, came back at the end of the year, but I uh, got a chance to play a little pro ball for about a year and a half. And I then he's off and running on in his career. But um, I'll tell you a story about my son, which, which which tells you about the type of kid he was. We had a couple of guys playing a position, rotating around to find that job. All of a sudden, this one kid comes on, and I'm saying, well, you know, he's so he's start. We 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 play this kid starting to play him on weekends, and then. I'm saying, well, I'm not going to, you know, Ty's got to play today. So I put him in a lineup, a midweek game, and we played. But for some reason, we, he came home with me for that, for something. And he looks at me, goes, Dad. I said, I said, what's, what's up, Ty? I said, he goes, hey, we're playing to win here. You know, you don't have to do me this favor. I said, what do you mean? I said, I kind of, in, in, in the past, have not given you opportunities. He says, you gave me my opportunity. Okay, this kid's beat me out. Okay. If you find something for me to do, okay, and help the team, I'll help the team, okay. But uh, you know, now it's it's go time. Uh, I had my chance. This is his, this is his junior year, okay. So this kid ended up you know, being the starting second baseman the last third of the season in our the year we won a, a Big East championship. So we get the Big East championship game, okay. And there's a runner on first base. We failed the bunt. So what I did is I pinched one tie, okay? Ty steals second base. He scores the winning run. We win, we win, we win the Big East Championship. So at the press conference, I bring him in. I said, this guy won the game. He stole second base. The guy gets the clutch hit, but if he gets thrown out, inning over, we're out. So I had to give him his due because, you know, as a parent and as a coach, which is difficult, you know, at that level, when a kid sits there and, and he tells when I'm in the car and I got that story, I mean, holy, I said, this kid to me, you know, he's my son. He's special. He gets it. He gets it. So now he's, he's going to, he's going to be a great coach someday because you know why he wasn't a superstar. He was the kid that had to earn everything. And he's, he's been on the bottom end of it. You know, he learned a lot of the stuff, experiences that you don't want to go through, but he went through now. The, the, mo the, moment, these other kids. the moment in the car, as difficult as it was, I'm sure that was also a very proud moment because it was. It this, was. Is like, this is your son that you raised that has this integrity. Yeah. But also, 
uh, would suggest that he's going to be a, a real good coach in his own right. I, I believe so. That's awesome. So I'm going to have to, I have to mention Pat because you brought him up twice. So our, our buddy, Pat Carey coached at Iona for 14 years and Pat connected me to coach, you know, Pat's a great guy and uh, we have a lot of conversations about youth sports and things like that, but I wanted to acknowledge him. So coach, just the last couple of things before I let you go, this one might be a separate conversation, but I just want to get your take on the current state of little league. When I say I'm concerned of concerned of little league, it's, you know, because I think, there are a lot of um, subsets of it now. People are branching out. The true Little League format that we all grew up with, it was special. And obviously, you played in your Little League section, and, and if you made the All-Star team, you went on and you played in parts of the summer. And I, I think that's all good. Um, the concern that I have with youth Little League sports is that the, 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 the this, what I call it, the superstar group, the group that branches out and starts playing 50, 60 games. Right. They make traveling up all over the teams. place. That's what concerns me. I, I think these young kids should be playing other sports and just, quite frankly, just let them be kids. Let them be kids. Because I think what's going to happen with these kids, a lot of them will get burned out and they'll they're not like the sport. And um, I, I think, I, I think part of it too, Gary is not the parent, just the parents. Um, people are making money off of this. It's a business. And um, some of these businesses are thriving watching these nine U teams play and they're traveling all over the country. I'm not getting it. I'm, I'm just not getting it. Uh, I, I think we're doing a disservice to these young kids. I would just like them to be kids I would like them to explore other sports, do other things. And I think they still can achieve a lot of success in their life and in their sport. So when growing up, I baseball was my first love and we played in the street, like whatever, punch ball, wiffle ball, stick ball. And I learned a lot about the game doing that. But I also know that as a kid, like you, it's not a sport you can play by yourself. So I think there's a big parenting piece to it you know, a dad taking his son or an uncle taking his son or a big brother, you know, to the park and having a catch and over and over and those kinds of things. And I don't see as many of those kinds of things going on now. I certainly see it with the kids who are involved and the dads and moms who are supportive and doing things with the kids. But by and large, the bigger groups, I don't see that sort of stuff going on. And being in the classroom, I do see correlations. So in, in school, the things that you would hear uh, teachers uh, talk about like, hey, you know, the student's not coming to school prepared or, or you know, uh, the parents aren't active in the school environment, whatever that might entail, parent conferences and so on and so forth. So like to me, I'm, I see the same thing. Like you, a kid really can't pick up a sport like baseball unless there is some family involvement or somebody basically adopts that child to say, all right, I got you, you know, I'll, I'll pick you up, I'll bring you out, you know, I'll do all that stuff. And I see the numbers in little leagues going down. I, you know, I thought the numbers in baseball were going down, but it seems like that's not necessarily the case. But there's a shift where it's become a little bit more privileged. There's more travel. And a lot of, you know, a lot of families don't have that kind of money to go and do those things. I mean, you know, like you get on a Ripken, Carol Ripken, uh, stadium down there now it, kids are walking around with 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 their bags with three or four bats in them right there's over a thousand dollars of bats 
I grew up, I had one glove uh, for mm-hmm. most of my yeah. youth. These guys have two gloves, three gloves. It's hotels, it's travel, you know, all those things. So like I, I, I am concerned about the average kid who doesn't have family support being able to get involved in a sport like baseball and be able to, you know, have a, have yeah. a, it, it's becoming a little bit of an entitled sport. And, you know, typically, you know, again, I, now we're talking about the old times, you know, you don't see kids out in the park playing ball. No. I, they don't organize themselves. They don't organize unless there's somebody organizing for them. Okay. Now the parent all, all the parent has to do is dump them off and run. Uh, you know, I, I <laughs> I know it's a it's a big it's a big. I'm saying to myself, does that kid want to be there? Does that kid want to be there, or is this you know, mommy and daddy's way of saying, okay, I'm gonna, I gotta you know, I want you to be a ball player. Here, Johnny, take this guy. Yeah, how much money you want? I'll give you that. Okay, make him a ball player. Um, a lot of changes, coach. Like the coach. I mean, I, I, I like know, I, we're sounding too old here, Gary. We're sounding too old. <laughs> you know, I, I knew I knew it was gonna get you. Going back to my point, I believe in change, okay, but I'm not necessarily agree that the change is good, okay? And I'll, I'll give you one other thing that is on the collegiate level that disturbs me more than anything else. When somebody is recruiting somebody, and I'm recruiting you, Gary, and you say to me, Coach, I'm coming to St. John's. I've accepted your scholarship offer. To me, that's it, okay? That is the ultimate to me. It's an ultimate integrity, that handshake. Nowadays, <laughs> it's non-existent. You commit to me, I want to go to a better place, or in my perception of a better place, I'm going to market that offer that I got, and I'm going to tell my coach, my, whoever you're dealing with, hey, I'm not so sure. See if there's anything out there better than this. What is that about? What type of integrity is that? Where are they learning this? Where are they learning this? And that's what disturbs me about anything. This transfer portal stuff. I, I Okay, whatever. So if you're not playing someplace and you're not happy, move. But if you're playing real well and the coach is starting in, everything's going good, I got a better deal someplace else, I'm going to it. The years that you were in coaching, how many guys made the major leagues? Well, I, I coached a lot of major leaguers uh, from both schools, probably about 15, 20. Out of how many? Out of how many kids? Five, oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, are, are they chasing that? I, I, I just, uh, you know, my, my, my always. I would always tell somebody, listen, to me, the most important thing is, is a handshake, not, not the letter of intent, because you got to play. I got to trust you. You trust me. I made you the offer. You shook. We trust each other. We bonded. We, we believe. Person, person to person, man to man. I mean, uh, and that's that. Whatever, all the other stuff behind that, Gary, I, I still don't, I, you can dispute, but when somebody says something to me and we shake hands, it's done and over with. I'm on your team. You're on my team. We're together. Not yeah. like that anymore. I'm with you. I know we're going to have to do this again because the conversation is awesome. I'm just going to give you a couple quick questions to, to square it up. And then, um, you know, I think uh, we're going to have to talk again because there's a lot, there's just so many things. And um, I just love all the insight and, uh, Appreciate your time. So here we go. Favorite book. Favorite book. I just read a book that has become my favorite book. Dinner with DiMaggio. Dinner with DiMaggio. All right. So just so people know, I'm taking notes too, because one of my things is like I 
am a 1% guy. I'm trying to get that 1% better every day. So when I talk to folks like Coach Blankmeyer here, I take notes also. So I'm writing it down. If you can make one change in youth sports, what would it be? One change in youth sports. Keep the parents away from the field. Let the kids play. Finally, uh, I'm going to ask you to give one tip for youth players, one tip for youth coaches, and one tip for parents of youth players. For the player, play for the love of the game. Enjoy the game. For the parents, let them be kids. For the youth coach, be fair. Just uh, an addendum to that real quick. A tip for coaches who have to coach their own kids. I'll, use, I'll go back to being fair. Being fair and honest. The, the two parents, one parent will play his kids for the sake of playing his kids and put them all in position. And then the other parent will defer to the way I did it, you know, try to, uh, you know, and be as fair as you possibly can. Going back to my youth experience, youth experience coaching my son in Little League, he was on that travel team, the team that tries to make the, the League World Series. And I explained they wanted me on a coaching staff. I said, yeah, I'm going to be on the coaching staff. But here's, what, here's how it's going down. If you want me to coach, I said, I'm going to run the practices. But when the game comes, I'm going to outfield. I'm going to be a parent and I'm going to stay away and watch my son play. I, I don't want any I, – I don't want to be involved in any of the, the, the decisions of it. It's tough as a parent, okay, at the youth level to separate, you know, being fair or siding with his son. It's just tough to do. It's just tough to do. But, you know, it's a double-edged sword because – I mean, I've had the experience too. I've had to coach my son, but I, I made one promise to myself, which is that I was going to be, I was going to be fair. If, if the player needed to be sat, the player was going to sit. If the player deserved a certain uh, nomination or, or, you know, a, one of the things that go on with sports, the player was going to get, like, I was going to be fair both ways. Cause sometimes like, you know, the, the coaches who have a lot of integrity, like, listen, no one's ever going to say that I batted my son third because he's my son. I'm not going to do that. So I batted him sixth. So that in my, in my estimation, like, okay, so now who's getting the short end of the stick now, yeah. now the kid's getting the short end of the stick because yeah. the parents like going like, so it's very hard. It's a very hard, uh, it's a very hard balance for people to do. But I think, I think for our listeners, that's, it's great advice. Just be fair, be fair to be fair to everyone involved and be fair to, you know, your own child as well. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, what, guy, it's tough. It really is. It is tough uh, because whether you're fair or not, people are going to point fingers. It's a no win situation. And I find myself when I coach Ty it, where I had to make the decision. I deferred at the little league level. I deferred. I ran the practices. I copped out and I went the outfield. You make the decision. Now, I had to make the decision at the collegiate level, you know, and I didn't want to put my son in a situation where you're playing because of your dad. I, I didn't, I didn't uh, because I thought that would be even more harmful as if I played him because I wanted him to be respected by his teammates, liked by his teammates, okay, more than anything else. And again, I going back to my point, I believe I should have played him more, but yet, you know, he got it. He understood it. I think he's better for it. So coach, as we wrap here, your future, what are you going to be doing in the next year here? Playing golf. I think I could beat Pat Carey by now. I don't know. I'm playing. I hits the ball a long way. <laughs> I know he does. <laughs> um, I will be involved consulting. How's that? I consult. I have a lot of my guys that call me up and I'll do some things with whatever they need me to do. I'll do. Um, 
Obviously, I'm a grandfather now, so that's a big part of my life. It's great. Uh, as well as teaching, teaching at St. John's this, this semester. I'm teaching a, a coaching class. Um, and then, you know, I'll reassess from there. But it's, you know, since February, I, I, I resigned from the Cubs as a minor league coordinator. Uh, I, I just needed a blow and I needed this to be, you know, with family more, I thought. Yeah, it's fantastic. I appreciate you hopping on with us. And, I, you know, I'd love to do it again. And um, Give me a call, Garam. I know, have time. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I, I love it and, and I appreciate it. And I, I wish uh, wish you luck with the next next stage of your career. And wish your son luck at Duke as well. And, um, you know, look forward to talking again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much, Coach. Have a great day. Bye-bye.